Another one of our sponsors I'm excited to tell you about is actually another podcast. It's called People of Product. And it's really about kind of highlighting the way people come together in innovative ways and create all the digital products that seem to be in every part of our lives. And what I think I like the most is that these guys are speaking from experience. You know, we had George Brooks on our show. And besides that, he's like a really genuine human being, just super knowledgeable at creating way more effective teams to get this kind of stuff done. And I really can't recommend it enough. You can find them anywhere that you get your podcasts and I recommend you checking out people. So longtime listeners of the show will probably remember Jay Davis, who's been on a number of times. Well, in addition to being a friend and a consulting client, I'm excited to say now that he's also a sponsor of this show. Last year, when I was spending a lot of time at his company's office, he started a new company called Pillow Cube, which is this awesome memory foam rectangle pillow. That's tall enough for me to be a side sleeper, but not have to have my head sag down like when I try to fold over my regular pillows. It's really pretty amazing, and for any side sleepers like me, it's great so we don't have to wake up with shoulder pain. On top of that, it's been really fun for me to see him have so much success because it's been selling like crazy. Anyways, if you're a side sleeper, I highly recommend going to pillowcube.com and getting one for yourself. I, I do have I do refer to Netflix and and I think people will immediately think of, of video but it doesn't have to be video if you, you can also start your series in in articles well actually we've done that for years of course we've created a lot of articles but maybe articles in more like a serial way uh, and also podcasts I think there's a, there's a ni- nice example of, of, of KLM they have the journey is post podcast it's uh, well it, it takes you on a journey and, and those those are stories Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got another author that I really love, Carlene Postma. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. So I think it's a little sad that it took us so long to get binge marketing in English. I know the Dutch version's been out for a couple of years already. For people not familiar, can you give us a quick background on the book and on your company? And then I've got some questions I want to ask. Yeah, sure. Well, a couple of years, I, I think it, I wrote it two years ago. I wrote it in the States, by the way. I wrote it in Florida. <laughs> uh, well, parts of it. But uh, the book, Binge Marketing, is about content marketing, but then from the, the similarities we can uh, see in, in, in the creators of series and, and, and filmmakers. And for example, I also I always tell brands to, to have a brand story. You have to translate your brand story into the scenario of a great television series. And then every piece of content that you share should be an episode of that same series. And if you do that, if you have the, the, the basics, if you have that right, you can learn so much from what what they the, the series the creators of series do at Netflix. For example, you can use a cliffhanger at the end of an episode. You can just keep on uh, telling uh, people that there is more to gain. It's, it's not just one episode of one uh, piece of content. There's there's more to do. So yeah, well, basically, I went looking for the similarities between creators of series and content marketers, and well, it it resulted in binge marketing the book. That's great. And and tell us about the post. Yeah, the post is is my well my former agency, I must say, because I sold it last year. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> It was uh, well. I, I I was I started uh, a, an agency when well in 2006. That's when I quit my job at a, a marketing agency or actually a creative agency. 
to do more with internet and, and social was also a big part of it. And in 2012, I transformed my agency into a content marketing agency. And, and what I did is I tried, well, you, you just had Joe Polizzi on the show and I was a big fan because I read everything that they at the Content Marketing Institute were doing. And I hope to bring it to, to the Netherlands. And what I, what I did is, is try to mix the journalism and uh, marketing together. So that was the first couple of years of my agency that I tried to use the things they do in journalism to add to content marketing. And then a couple of years later, I was watching a Netflix series, as many of us do every evening, <laughs> and we couldn't stop watching. So that's when I thought, how come that they, at the, 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 well, the creators of films and series, have such a good idea of how to tell a compelling story and how to attract and retain audiences to it. And that's, that was the match. That was exactly the same thing as what we're doing in content marketing and also at my agency, The Post. So well, I tried to, to create a methodology to it and tested it on many clients <laughs> and they're all still using it. So I think it, it worked. <laughs> well, you know, it was interesting timing when I when I picked up your book, I had just finished watching some interviews with Jimmy Donaldson, you know, the fastest growing YouTuber in the world right now, you know, the Mr. Beast channels and the things he's done. And he talks about something that I don't hear everybody else talk about, which is it's not just it's not just like it's it's amazingly critical that you have a good thumbnail and headline for for YouTube so somebody will actually click on it in the first place or, you know, that, that you got a good enough hook point that somebody will stop scrolling past it in LinkedIn or, or Facebook or something, right? And then the material has to be good enough to get them to stay for a long enough time that the algorithm says, oh yeah, people like this, let's recommend it, you know? But one of the things that he brought up that I feel like you've nailed so fully is he says, it's not just those two things. It's those two things done in a way that people want to watch the next one. If, yeah. if, if the YouTube algorithm sees that people are clicking it, that people are watching most of it, and that they want to watch more from you, and that they want to stay on, on YouTube because of your videos, yours are the ones it's going to show to people. And you can guess the other social media platforms are similar. And so to me, what I think I liked the most from the book is almost this idea of like, can we take content marketing to another level? I think content marketing has been so watered down where for so many companies, it's like, you know, it's somebody's 21-year-old intern who's who gets measured how many Facebook posts they put out or something instead of what was the quality of the post and what actions did people take because of the posts. You know, like we're almost measuring the wrong thing so often that it's like there's a fluff. I mean, there's so much just boring, same old garbage that we're all being inundated with. And yet those people who can do what you're talking about, they can make content. I mean, I look at like Bloomberg Quick Take or like the Vox Explainer videos, right? I mean, they make those so intriguing and, and you're like, you're along for this ride that it's so easy to click the next one when this one ended, right? Any thoughts about that? Yeah, well, I, I totally agree. I think content marketing was never, ever leave it to the intern. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a strategic thing you have to think of, to think of with, with the whole company. It's, it's the narrative of everything that you put out there should be from, from one, well, 
it should be all about the same thing. So it, it should be really close to the heart of the, the brand, the DNA of the brand. And, and I recently posted an article. It's called Stop. Well, we have to stop uh, creating single use disposable content and start creating evergreens. <laughs> and I think that's exactly what you're referring to because there is so much waste on content. And, and I don't think we actually see the the waste in it yet but there is so much time and effort and also maybe even time of your customers to click and and unclick (laughs) for uh, bad quality content so if you start creating evergreens and and with evergreens i i mean content that is so valuable that is really like the the well you can you can also watch them next year for example and and because the other um, reason is you don't know when your audience is interested in your content. So it can be now when you have the money to campaign and create disposable content. Well, yeah, sure. If you pay enough for paid media, you will have your you will reach the the goals you just set for yourself in reach. But what do we really want to measure? Do we really want to measure how many uh, minutes your audience is consuming your content? Then you have to think about your evergreen content. So you can your audience can watch it next week, but you can also well I don't know if if you if you do that too if Netflix puts out uh, new episodes every week and sometimes I can't wait and I just have one episode for that week, but most of the time we just save for a couple of episodes <laughs> and then we binge them all together. But this is what people do. This is what audiences do. So also if there is more content, just you you have to be able to click to the next one and also to the previous one maybe. So create evergreen so people can do that. You know, I, I I've seen what you're saying work so well for us. I mean I get why people would want to put, you know, culturally relevant, timely stuff. And and maybe I should do some more podcasts about you know, the, the holes in the cryptocurrency problems that look like they're looming right now. And, you know, like timely, you know, timely news or something, I should maybe toss in some episodes like that to get attention, but the compound interest, I mean, again, like 600 episodes now that we've recorded, I don't know how many we've released, but we get like a real compound interest effect where people find us because of some episode we did three and a half years ago with some, you know, Delta force commando or some like you know, CEO who she, she thought up this great new business. Right. And then, then they start looking through our other stuff and, you know, it's been a big advantage. So I'm, I'm literally in the middle. We're landing, we've just landed a contract with a big $16 billion bank. Okay. And thanks. And the senior VP who's hiring us, he said that he went back uh, and this, so this is a while ago, this is over a year ago. I can't remember when this was, but he went back and listened to every one of our episodes. I mean, it had to be like over 400 episodes. <laughs> wow. But he binged, he binged on the stuff and now we've got him as a client, right? Yeah. yeah. And to me, like, I, th- I think the reason, so I started sending your book out to all sorts of people, including we were talking about Josh Stein earlier, right? And for me, again, it really goes back to this rising the raising the bar thing. You know, like, again, I see, I talk to folks who are maybe newer to content marketing, maybe some guys my dad's age, who, you know, I was talking to a guy, a friend of mine, who's got an engineering firm in Canada, right? And he's, again, a little closer to to my parents' age than my age. And he's saying like, oh, we got to get some stuff out on LinkedIn. (laughs) And I was like, well, (laughs) I think what you mean is you got to put some really great stuff out on LinkedIn. Do you know what I mean? And that, that mental shift changes stuff from being a waste of time to turning 
your website or your content into the number one salesperson in the company. And to me, like you saying, comparing yourself to Hollywood and saying like, are, are we making stuff that is that's as enticing as the next show on Netflix? Like that's a high standard. Yeah. You know, like my yeah. wife and I watch like Stranger Things, like we watch a whole season and like that's a high bar. And I'm not saying that many of us will achieve that bar. But if we if we aren't even trying, there's no way we're going to get close. Right. Exactly. I always say because it, it the standard is quite high. And if if I talk to people, to clients or uh, on stages about this, uh, this idea, then they it, it also scares people away because, well, we don't have the time. We don't have the budget. So <laughs> I always try to to comfort them a little bit because if you do only like like let's say five percent of the ideas of what they did in in the Stranger Things or in, in uh, Queen's Gambit, for example, then you are doing way better than most of us are doing right now. And it does not even have to do anything with budget or with time. It's just the narrative. Just look for the best narrative that that fits your brand and and then get it out there in episodes. And of course, your your budget should meet your goals and. If you have a, a, a budget like Queen's Gambit, then I may hope you have a will to conquer. But <laughs> if if your budget is like uh, 100,000 a year, for example, then your audience is, should also not be that big. So it, it's 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 it relates. Well, I mean, the other advantage to think about this is when you look at your competition, the bar is so low. You know, most yeah. people can look at their industry and most of their competitors are putting out, you know, dry, boring stuff that's easily skippable. You know, like, I mean, I, I think it applies even to paid campaigns. Like we've had a guy on the show a couple of times named my, my friend Alex Bean from Divi. It's like it's it's kind of like these advanced credit card systems where you can just hop on the Internet and create a new card for somebody in your company and turn it off and on and manage your expenses. Right. He just sold the company this week for two and a half billion. OK, nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Seriously. So to bill.com, congratulations, Alex. So, <laughs> but my point is when you look at even their paid, like they don't just put up a billboard. Like you can tell they are so thoughtful about, about a specific pain point that manage, that matters to a business owner when they're, mm -hmm. when they're talking about like, our invoice is driving you nuts, push the easy button, you know, get our stuff yeah. and our system will take care of that for you. You know, things like this yeah. and, you know, track your expenses for you. And it wasn't like, hey, go put up some ads. We need, you know, look at our competitors. Let's try to come up with a good idea. Like you can tell they, they pushed themselves harder and they spoke to a genuine emotional response item. Like most of us entrepreneurs didn't become entrepreneurs because we were good at accounting. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I've had those years where my expenses were like, you know, receipts stuffed in a shoebox and then I lost the shoebox. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right? I, yeah, I recognize that idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And, and like, you know, I look at somebody like HubSpot, right? And when they, when they started putting out their full ebook series, I mean, and this is years ago, but they put a level of thoughtfulness into it. Like it, it felt like if you never read anything else about email marketing, Jess, this, at least this ebook is going to give you a serious, serious leg up. It wasn't like in passing, here's some, here's, here's a random collection of ideas. We're calling a top 10 list. Like it was very thoughtful. It was very actionable. And me and my team downloaded dozens <laughs> Of their I mean, like we, we literally binged on all the things they put out and we recommended them like crazy and we became a customer and we have friends that become customers. Right. And they like, they did us a service ahead of time yeah. and won our loyalty. And it, I, I don't even think that you did not download them, especially in their 
campaigning time, did you? Because maybe now some of those eBooks are still relevant. Oh, sure. Yeah, and I think that that's exactly what I'm talking about because because of this evergreen kind of content, it was at that time it was in uh, it was a trigger for you to download it and to 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 get into their well customer journey. I call it the audience journey, but anyways, <laughs> it's a journey. <laughs> but when when you when they created these eBooks, this 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 series of eBooks, I bet they had the idea that it should go on for a long time. And not only we have an ebook, here's a campaign, we put some paid ad money to it and let's see what it does. But if you can just keep on adding those 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 ebooks to triggers of your audiences, triggers at the moment that it's relevant to you and not at the moment that is rele- relevant to the one sending it, then I think you are creating evergreens. You are building an audience and it's on the long run, of course. It's not that it's that, that you have like million millions of downloads in, in, in one day, but it will keep on growing. And especially, just like you said, you are going to be their influencer and, and share what you've just read. And maybe at the right time, at the right trigger for another uh, audience member for HubSpot in this uh, example. Interesting. Okay, I wanted to, I've got a bunch more questions on this, but I want to take a tangent. D- have you, did you grow up your whole life in the Netherlands? Yeah, born and raised. Okay. My my business partner, my one of my business partners who's been my mentor for this summer, it'll be 20 years, 2001, when he first started wow. meeting me. His, his family grew up there, like his his parents came over in like 1955. Have you ever heard of, I'm going to say his name wrong, Deventer? Deventer. Dev. Yes. Yeah, that's where yes, they grew up. That's where his dad grew up. great. It's close uh, by uh, why, where I grew up. And I, I live in Zwolle, so not in Amsterdam, everyone <laughs> ask it. Are you from Amsterdam? No, I'm not from Amsterdam. I studied in Rotterdam, but I grew up in the east of the Netherlands. And it's like, I think, 18 kilometers from uh, Deventer. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I've been there um, a lot. I worked just there, by the way. That was my I'm first looking... advertising agency was in, it was in Deventer. <laughs> oh, really? That's fun. Yeah. I'll tell them. So I'm just looking on the map, and it looks like, you know, a relatively direct route from you to Amsterdam. How long is that drive? Uh, drive is like a, a one hour, 15 minutes something like that. Oh, that's not bad. It, it depends on, on what, what side of Amsterdam and if you're in rush hour or not. <laughs> but with, uh, it's, it's a little bit more than an hour. So my mom and some other family members are, are big travelers and have been, but I haven't. If, when I make it to the Netherlands, what's one thing I can't miss? Oh, wow. Didn't expect that question. Oh, one thing you can't miss. Well, the, the Rijksmuseum. Museum. It's in Amsterdam. Yeah. So if you just if you arrive there because everybody arrives in Amsterdam, you have to go to the Rijksmuseum. Yeah. Okay. And if I make it out to Zwolle, what do I need to see there? In Zwolle, it's the you have to go eat at uh, the Libraille. It's uh, a okay. Michelin star res- restaurant. I think they have two or three uh, at this point. It's, oh, it's wow. really great. Yeah. What yeah, do they know for? Really like, what's, what's a famous dish or something? Oh, I don't know how to translate it. I think it's it's like lollipop from liver. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I hope. I really hope I have this right. But it's it's something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what's it What's it called? I, I don't know. I don't know. In Dutch. I, even that I don't know. I have to. I, I'll, okay. I'll I'll look it up and I'll I'll email it to you. <laughs> okay. Okay. It has a special name indeed, and it's it's it's. it's I think it's one dish that he he is Yanni. I'm gonna re-listen to this episode when I when <laughs> I make it over there, so I can look that up. So I think my question for you is: I'm, I'm obviously a believer. I'm interested, as you have spent years working on this and you've advised people and you get asked to be on shows and talk about it, what's an element of this that you feel like 
even the people who are trying to do it aren't going far enough. Or like somebody like me who believes who who's trying to move more this direction. What advice for you have what advice would you have for us? We're already believers, but we want to go deeper. If you want to go deeper, you have to do it. <laughs> you have to start because I think one of the main things that I uh, also write in my book and and, and added to my course is if you start with binge marketing, you have to start with, well, first of all, your job to be done. What, what is it that you want to accomplish with uh, content marketing in the first place? And well, usually I get, I think maybe eight or 10 kind of goals, like uh, brand awareness and uh, more sales and thought leadership, but you have to pick one because if you pick one and you have one direction, then everything that you do will focus on that direction. And you can imagine if you want to be a thought leader, your your episodes will be different than when you need more sales, for example. By the way, everybody needs more sales. But if you believe in content marketing and binge marketing, then that's the start starting point. And then sales will follow up. And it will take some time maybe, but if it does, it can be your multiplier as well. So... But if you want to go ahead, um, the next thing is, what is your series about? If you translate your brand story, the, the story that your brand wants to share, what, what, what is it about? And there are four ingredients that you can start with to, to write it down. And first of all, I always say, start with who are your main characters? Who are the ones that are best to tell your story? And for example, if you, if you want to be that thought leader, then it could be very relevant to have experts or maybe your employees as experts as a main character. And of course, you can, you can have guest appearances and, and, and have clients to the story and just create. You can, you can create your story yourself. So be creative as well and have a look at what they do at Netflix, how, how they cross over a series and, and also characters. And the second thing is, where does it take place? Is it, I always call it the arena. Is it a specific place? And that can be like in a hospital, if you're in a hospital, very, very strict in a hospital, but the circumstances also take part. If you're in a hospital while a pandemic is going around, then you have a different series than when it's in a hospital, you know? And, and like this, there are like four ingredients to, to start with creating your plot summary. If you have answered all those questions, you know what your series is about. And then you can start writing, and I call it this, this uh, plot summary. It's a uh, summary of what the series is about. And you can compare it to the back flap of, your, of a DVD or the summary on IMDb, for example. And that's the brief for everything that you're going to get out there. All the stuff that you referred to just now going out there. Every episode should fit that plot summary. And then if you really want to go ahead with it, call yourself a showrunner because that's what we lack in uh, in content marketing. You know, in, in, in the States, the, the showrunner is, is a well-known job, I think. <laughs> we don't know that one. It's, it's executive producer, director, whatever. But the showrunner is the one that's responsible for the narrative and also responsible for the team of writers to write the right episodes, write the right episodes, I'm sorry, <laughs> I am Dutch, that they still fit the series. And they're also responsible for uh, producing the series and also for creating an audience, let's say the ROI of what you're doing. So if for a showrunner, if, if a season doesn't get a net, another season, then you haven't done your job well. And I, I think this should also apply for content marketing directors. So that's, uh, if you want to go the extra mile, just start creating this series and call yourself showrunner and, and act like you're running a show for your brand. I think you are doing that with your podcast already. 
you know, for us, we kind of started more like Joe Paluzzi's book, Content Inc., where like the the show was almost more like, you know, one, one thing I was passionate about, where our goal in the future is to be more like his book, Killing Marketing, where you build a whole network. You know, like you look at the Content Marketing Institute, they have podcasts, they make videos, they have an event, they have, you know, email mm-hmm. campaigns, and, and it's more like a network all around the subject. And I think for us, like, you know, the audience is wealthy entrepreneurs and what we want to help them with is, is like their, their business and investing and earn enough trust that they want to buy our real estate investment from us. And, and kind of like the goal we've been thinking about is more around adventures. Like when you're stressed out about your business, you're not sure if you've got, you know, passive income coming in, you're not going off and having fun. You're not, you're not doing things like service and charity and giving back. You're not you're not going to Costa Rica in the out in the forest for two weeks, right? You're not having adventures. And so our idea is like, if we can help them create businesses that run themselves and buy passive income, whether it's from us or other places, you know, teach them Warren Buffett principles, mm-hmm. then we kind of want to like get them together and do adventures with us. Like we want to have them like, do user generated content of like, t- you know, send us video from the adventure you went on. And then we actually want to do events of like, hey, everybody wants to go surfing, meet us in Southern California in August or meet us in Tahiti at this time and, and like kind of create like an adventure community by, but like help the entrepreneurs with their money, their business and their investing, teach them Warren Buffett principles, teach them stuff like content marketing principles, like what you're teaching us today and build that kind of trust for them to trust us with some portion of their money to buy, you know, this passive real estate income from us and then go, go on adventures together and make videos about those adventures. And, and it's yeah. kind of our direction. So having multiple shows, you know, I'm hosting this show, but, you know, have multiple hosts, multiple shows all around different aspects of that is kind of our, our thought. And do you also refer to, to both? So from this podcast, uh, you refer to the other uh, episodes, actually? Or? Yeah, and that's what I liked about you talking about, you know, when they have characters that go across, you know, look at Marvel when they've got this character written that movie and stuff like that, right? Like, yeah, we it, definitely it where I wanted to go in, indeed because it's, it's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is one one arena, one domain where every hero has his part and has his own audience as well. But they also refer to each other. So I think it was after like Iron Man and they, they have a cliffhanger for Thor, the next movie. And well, that that's really smart to to do that to to make crossovers with with characters as well because they also have the Avengers. And I think if you have every entrepreneur together or every uh, main character that you, you you refer to in your what you just told us i think that is very smart to to have these crossovers between the characters and between the shows as well well here's my thought i think you know people listening to the show maybe members of my team it would be easy to say like yeah but just we're just a boring real estate company we're not we're not the avengers like how to how do we do that and my guess is there's a big opportunity because people don't know how to translate those principles and bring them to business. But what advice would you have for take the learnings from that and and translate it to our version of it for our world? Well, you know, I think everybody has uh, a story and can also, if you have a story, you can create also a creative story. It should fit your DNA, your 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 purpose close to the brand. But if, if it's not there in, for example, if you if you want to have experts on the sh- on, on your in your plot summary because you want to be a thought leader, but your experts are very boring, <laughs> could be, it's a possibility, of course. <laughs> But then you can you can try fiction or animation or create something new, create a type of character. You know, it, it, 
there there is so much you can do to change that. And I think also I, I've seen some brilliant examples of AI in, in characters. So, so that's also possible. But you do have to beat the trust issue there. So fiction is okay, but you have to explain this fiction then. Yeah. You know, we we had a client, their big billion dollar real estate fund that we were training their sales teams and advising some of their senior leaders. And one of the things that I was telling them to do is that they should they should take from like HGTV, you know, pe- people like the story of real estate. Uh, apparently, there's entire television channels about it here in the States, at least, yeah. right? Um, but instead of doing it with a house, do it with a, you know, a 300, a 300 unit apartment building, you know, do it on a big scale and like take it to the next level. And I should just probably take that advice for myself. We should do that show for our own properties, you know? And yeah, and if you have a brilliant show, you can also offer it to Netflix or Amazon Prime or wherever. And you have access to their audience as well. I, I've seen so many series about real estate. And one of my favorite, by the way, is from the, from the UK. It's Extraordinary Homes. I don't know if you know that one. It's, it's so nice. It's just, it's an actress, an architect traveling to different parts of the, of the world. And they just... We get a we get an inside look at houses. Well, I would never be able to. Well, maybe I can rent it for for a day or something. But <laughs> really, really big things. But that's that's really interesting. Uh, also for the architects who built those houses because they have their branded episode there. And it, so so I really think this is this is an opportunity in real estate too. Yeah. You know, that's, that's such a good point. You know, I know that there's people who like on YouTube, for instance, that there's this New York real estate agent who like had a TV show and is kind of a, you know, has a best selling book and stuff. And he goes and tours homes like in LA that he's not even selling the home, but he just knows that's a big fancy home that's going to get attention. And it helps his whole brand. Because the audience doesn't care if he's selling the home or not. But he's mm-hmm. like, he's starting to build that brand loyalty. He's got something unique and special. Like, just as you're saying that, I'm thinking like for one of our shows, yeah, maybe we're maybe we're fixing up this assisted living facility or we're, we're creating a resort in Hawaii. The Hawaii one's probably more interesting. But like some assisted living facility may not make for like the most amazing TV of all time. But yeah. we could have a check-in at our, you know, we could go tour, you know, the craziest buildings in that area have that architect have the developers that did that one tell their story and then and and do a quick check-in on ours in the same episode the whole the whole episode doesn't have to be about us in fact it'd probably be more interesting if it wasn't just about us right yeah i think so well there there you have it (laughs) there you have your show yeah well my thought is can we have a whole can we have a whole series of shows can we you know can we be like bloomberg or red bull and actually do it to the level that we're charging advertisers, you know, and, and it becomes a profit center instead of a cost center. You know, like how much marketing can we do if it doesn't cost us money, it makes us money, right? Yeah, it's, it, I, it, that's really interesting. I think last year, content marketing world was was also about that. Uh, I think Joe Politi uh, had his talk about it. You have to have more assets than only the content. You have to monetize your content. And that's what you can do if you create really good series. And maybe you can have your own channel for it. I I, I haven't uh, interviewed her yet, but there is like a branded content video platform for just branded content. And you don't have, if you don't have access to the Netflix uh, user base or uh, if if Amazon Prime doesn't want your content yet, But it should yeah. be really good because you have to be aware that you will only get an audience if it's so good that they want to be your audience. They want to, to watch your episodes or listen to your episodes. 
And yeah. I think that's 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 something brands can do. Maybe they don't know yet, but they can do that. <laughs> Create yeah. great stuff. I think it's just I think it feels scary because it feels like starting a new business, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, our team's already busy with what we're doing now. And for me, like mentally, I just think about it as like, yeah, but if we want to expand, if we want to expand, it was going to take more staff anyways. Do we think this is a more efficient way to expand the business? Like, is is it just hiring more fundraising sales reps? Is that what we think is the most efficient? Or, you know, can this be a force multiplier, you know? Can putting that same effort into writers and filmers actually attract more investors than just having more sales reps? You know, because we do a favor, we make something interesting. Can it? Can we create our own magnet instead of just chasing everybody? Right. Yeah, and if you flip your thoughts around a bit, if you uh, because I I understand because everybody is busy and everybody's busy with project management <laughs> and finance and stuff. But what if your core business was content creation? So what if you are that showrunner or that network owner? then your business is creating content. <laughs> yeah. So that, that maybe that's a twist of mindset that you can that can help you to, to flip it around. Yeah, you know, I think about, well, I, I'm interested in this. You know, you're obviously very good at what you do. When you get ranked in the top 30 of the, like the international list of the 200 most influential yeah. people in the world for content marketing, you make the top 30, you, you've obviously done some things special. You're not just regurgitating whatever else says. So I'm interested with your level of expertise, in your opinion, who are some brands that have done this well? Who do you think, who do you look up to? Who do you think has has created bingeable content? Yeah, I get the question a lot. And I I honestly don't have a good answer yet. There, there are examples of brands that have their own series, but in my book, there are a lot of uh, Dutch examples uh, because, well, that's where I live and I breathe uh, the air in the, in the Netherlands, of course. So from supermarkets until international uh, paint, uh, paint producers. But I think that a lot of brands do parts of it. And uh, there's only one example I could think of last week, and that was because I stumbled upon it uh, on Netflix, and it was Headspace. I don't know the company yet. I, I asked for an interview, but <laughs> you have to be an influencer on Headspace <laughs> to, to get uh, some attention. But I'm not an influencer in mindfulness because I don't do yoga or something. <laughs> But it's interesting because my Headspace is, is, is it's an app for uh, mindfulness. And I think they're doing really well at this moment. But they added, at this point, two seasons of series on Netflix to have this mindfulness idea. It's a meditation guide to sleep or uh, something like that. And they have added it as a show on Netflix. I don't, I don't like the, it's, it's an animation kind of thing. It, I, well, it's, it's their style. It's, it's okay. <laughs> But it's not really like a series as I as a Stranger Things. <laughs> but by the way, <laughs> you will not fall asleep by, with Stranger Things, and you will fall asleep with with Aspects. But that's exactly the purpose, of course. <laughs> but I think that's okay. That's, yeah, I'm seeing yeah. the trailer here. the the Headspace The Headspace Guide to Go to Sleep. Yeah, interesting. The Headspace Guide to Mindfulness. The Headspace Guide to whatever. And and it's a paid app. And I think it's it's really smart that they created this series and and well, I think they pitched it for on Netflix. And it, it yeah, this is the Netflix original series. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> I I don't know. Or Netflix is going off of their beliefs. I don't know. <laughs> I, that's why I, I uh, asked for an interview, but I, I didn't get in touch yet. This is great. Well, tell, tell us about some Dutch examples that we maybe haven't heard of. You know, one example was from a, a 
fashion uh, retailer, we fashion is called, and it was. I think it's a brilliant example. They did it in in 2016 already, but there is a soap series in the Netherlands that's called Good Times, Bad Times. Yeah, it's like bold and beautiful, <laughs> but maybe a little bit for younger people. But it, it that's that's the show is the longest running uh, soap uh, series in the Netherlands. But they kind of adopted a character in the series and asked within the storyline of that series uh, if this character Nina Sanders it was if she could design a the, the Christmas collection for a big fashion retailer and we didn't know who it was so in the series it took like uh, I think a week or two weeks before they added it is for we, we fashion and in the analysis it's a well-known retailer so and Within the series, it's like, I think it's four or five weeks, it was written in the narrative of the series that she was creating this, this, this fashion uh, show. So we got to look at the, the fabrics, the, the designs, what didn't make it, what did make it. And then it ended with one fashion show. And from that day on, you could buy the real things in, in stores. So it was brilliantly thought of. And I think, but I also wrote in my book what they did not do afterwards. And, and I really think it's, it's a shame because they had all the attention and they are like the brand that helps young designers to, to, to realize their dreams. And then after uh, December, when the Christmas collection was sold out, it was sold out, well, immediately, then it all stopped. And their attention was gone. But why not uh, pursue on the, I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, go on with this narrative and not make, maybe not in this, this expensive kind of soap opera uh, series, but why not uh, go on with stories from your own designers or get out a prize for the best fashion designer or win your uh, ticket into a fashion design school or something. Yeah, this is can... interesting. I'm, I'm just watching a trailer for it on Vimeo. That's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's brilliant. And I, I think they in 2018, they, 18, 19, they did something similar with another series, the Citroenstraat 10. It's Lemon Street 10, <laughs> translated. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But they, they did kind of the same thing with a, a media brand here in the Netherlands as well, with Linda. And th that was also one big success. But it's, all, it's, it's always a campaign. It has a start, uh, it has attention, and it ends. And I think it should not end. You should try to keep on creating these episodes and, and, and yeah. go on. You know, it is, that's such a good point of like humans, humans relate to humans and not, not to a brand not to a company, right? Like, you know, I love the like special ops spy genre. Okay. Well, look at like, you know, how many Jason Bourne movies there are, how many Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan movies there are, and now the net, uh, the Amazon series, look at how many James Bond there are, right? Yep. They even swap out the actors, but there's like compared to like, when you know, it's the next James Bond, instead of just another spy movie, there is that like extra anticipation for it. If, if you're a Bond fan, right? Yeah, but you, you have to be aware of, of this idea. I, I did a, a podcast interview with uh, Martin Kohlhofen. He's a film director uh, in the okay. Netherlands as well, but, but he is, he was, he did some international movies as well. But what he said is, well, because I asked, why is it that James Bond can have a movie after movie? And what makes it that not every movie can do that? For example, if you take now, now the, the Queen's Gambit, can the Queen's Gambit have a, a second season? Because the 
the character arc, as he explained, is like finished. It's, it starts with, with well, look, in, in The Queen's Gambit, for example, it starts with her in an orphanage and then it ends with her on a, a world stage. Is there anything more to add? We, we, I, I, don't, I don't know how to evolve this character. And with James Bond, the, the character does not evolve. <laughs> it's always James okay. Bond. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think one of my favorite examples of that, though, is look at another Netflix winner this year, Enola Holmes. Did you ever watch that one? Yeah. Right? Brilliant. It's it's not another... I mean, obviously, Sherlock Holmes is a character that's endured, but here they are. It's a spinoff, and it's not even a character anybody knew about. It's, you know, his little sister that nobody knew about, and they make a series out of it. But it brings these, like, Sherlock Holmes-esque aspects to it that you know, like, you know, with Queen's Gambit, can it be like, you know, does it have to be her that goes to the second season? Can yeah, it be another character? Can it be mom. can it be the discovery of another chess prodigy? Can it be right? And like, you know, for me, like I think about our real estate show, like, you know, we if we let's say we go show a bunch of cool buildings and we get the story behind the story on why it should have never been able to be built, but how the engineers, you know, figured out this impossible building. Right. And then we have check ins on the real estate we're doing, you know, the next year, you know, may, maybe it's a different theme. Right. Or maybe it's, yeah. you know, like instead of impossible buildings, it's the most, you know, it's it's the most remote remote buildings. And we're yep. going to like. You know, there's some fishing, there's some fishing lodges out in the middle of nowhere in Canada that there's no roads to, that you have to fly to get to for hours. You know, there's no town nearby, right? And, and it probably takes not being so literal, right? No. But the other thing too is like smaller stories too. They don't all have to be giant, right? What were you going to say? No, I I think that's, 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 I, I totally agree. And I think it's, it's just the fact that you have to be aware of this, this one character arc is, is completed, for example. But if you have a a series like Bridgerton, Bridgerton, have you seen that one? It's from Netflix. Just the the trailers. I haven't watched that one. Uh, no it's not it's it's not for <laughs> it's for women <laughs> sorry <laughs> but it's 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 from i think it's eight novels with eight siblings and every novel is about another sibling and now we've only had one season of one of the one of the the characters in the in, in, in it and the second one will be about another and that's the creativity that we have to look for and also what you said in in queen's gambit it's not about her the second part if there is going to be a second part because it was also based on the novel but the second part can also be a story about how her mom was who she became uh, for example there are some some open ends you can fill in but you i really think that also brand should think about that upfront because you have to add that to it you have to think about uh, new characters i also explained that in my book from albert hein is a it's a the supermarket owls it's it's in the states as well bill has I, i'm not sure it's just it's, I, I don't know the the, the american uh, name but they had a character and it was a supermarket manager and then he he's an actor and he quit his job as being the the face of albert hein so albert hein just had nothing left and they tried things for several years and then all of a sudden after four years i think they came up with a new supermarket manager which is a woman and it airs right now but they missed out of opportunities because this this first uh, character they could know that after 10 years maybe this one would stop you can have colleagues of him walking into the storyline into the narrative and and maybe have spin-offs already for younger yeah people for younger audiences just like Enola Holmes it's it's not 
it's, it's not that Sherlock Holmes was not a character to evolve anymore. It's just they needed a younger and female audience. So they created a younger sister, a little sister, based on the on the narrative we already know. And, you know, I think this could feel overwhelming. Hey, we're advising you start your own Netflix show, which mm-hmm. I totally do advise. They should. But you think about the ways to start smaller. I look at these explainer videos out there, you know, whether it's Wall Street Journal, MSNBC, Vox, any of these ones. And they're almost always telling a story about people from an industry. Could be renewable energy, could be about the coronavirus. Doesn't matter what it's about. They're telling, they're always telling stories about the individuals. I think probably for any of us, we could talk with our friends in our industry. We could talk with our staff. We could, we could come up with what's the most, who's one of the most interesting people in our industry? What's, what's something crazy that happened in our industry? And you go back and tell the story of it with a story arc, you know, and you, you read a book like story by Robert McKee or an easy one, like save the cat by Blake Snyder about screenwriting. And like, can, can we tell that story at this cadence, you know, and make it feel like we actually get the narrative. I think it's too easy to like go, Oh, that would be so great. Someday if I'm super rich and we have money, we don't know what to do with. I would think about that instead of like, start small, get started. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, and I also think because I, I do have I do refer to Netflix and, and I think people will immediately think of, of video. But it doesn't have to be video. If you, you can also start your series in in articles. Well, actually, we've done that for years, of course. We've created a lot of articles, but maybe articles in more like a serial way. Uh, and also podcasts. I think there's a, there's a ni- nice example of, of, of KLM. They have The Journey. It's a post- podcast. It's, uh, well, it, it takes you on a journey. And, and those those are stories from what people... It, it, it's also, it follows the hero's journey perfectly, by the way. <laughs> there's always... It starts with like the drama. Uh, what happens, and then it's 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 a, it's it's a, an interview, but then with actors, but based on real stories. And I think that that's that's also something you can think of. It's not it, it doesn't have to be a Netflix production if you just yeah. tell stories. Yeah, you know what? It looks like they've turned it to YouTube as well. They've got they've already got 172 million views on their on their uh, YouTube channel. Who did for an airline that seems Cal- KLM. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, they did a great job. Yeah, that's great. Well, this has been really fun for me. Besides sending everybody to Amazon or my preference, audible.com to get their copy of Binge Marketing, the best scenario for building your brand. Is connecting on LinkedIn the best or where where's the best place? Twitter, what's what's the best ways for them to, to talk to you, to reach out? Yeah, I would love to hear everyone's reaction on LinkedIn. Of course, I will reply to all of you. <laughs> but if you want to just just have a look at what else you can learn after reading the book or maybe while reading the book or before reading the book, <laughs> but you have to read the book, <laughs> then you can go to uh, carlinepostma.com. And I also have an online course which starts with a free pilot. So you can just have a look at it if it's something for you. And if you like it, then you can go on with creating your own plot summary and also following the audience journey, for example. So carlineposma.com. And for all my American and Canadian friends here, Carline is C-A-R-L-I-J-N. Yeah, that's a good addition. And also, <laughs> if, if you can't remember that, it's bingemarketing.eu. You'll get to the same page. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, listen, maybe as a final question, what's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? That I've ever received? I've, I've had so much, so many advices, <laughs> but the one I 
followed upon, <laughs> maybe that's the best one, is just, well, do what you like. It's, you know, it's, if you're in a corporation, everything has to, to what, you know, I, I sold my company and I've got the freedom to write and do things my way again, but still have the opportunity to, to work with brands within the company. And I think that's, that's one of the things I, I followed up upon the best in the last I think last two years. Yeah. No, there's a great video from Casey Neistat, if you know that YouTuber. And he says, you can have almost anything you want, but you can't always decide what you want. And his point was, it might sound great to to be someone like this or to have that type of title. But if you don't actually love that thing, you, you're going to have a tough time because you're going to have to fake it. You're going to have to push yourself. You're going to have to motivate yourself. And you know, whether that's an author, a filmmaker, an entrepreneur, a sports star, any of these things, right? Yeah. It's like, I think there's things that we would all say, like, like, for instance, I would love to be a great writer. But when I'm honest with myself, I'm probably not the guy that's going to put pen to page. I think that I can still be an author, I can dictate, I can guide the team, I can yeah. review what they wrote and make corrections. But like, I'm, I'm going to have a team help me with my books. Even though I would like to think that I could sit still at a computer long enough to get a book done. Hmm. When I'm more honest with myself, it's not, that's not so realistic, you know? And But still, then your your goal is to to get that book out and then you can do what you like in the way you like it. Yeah. So So it's, it's, it's funny though. We often talk about do what, do what you like because then you'll enjoy your life right? There's this added benefit of like, if you try to do succeed at something you don't like, because mm-hmm. it's safe, that is like a, a recipe, not just for unhappiness, but it's not a recipe for success. Yeah. You know? Totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Well, thanks again for doing this. Thank you for having me. It was nice talking to you. You bet. Okay. Bye everyone.